We're recording. We are live. And this is the very first episode of our Eye Dry Needle live video broad uh, podcast. Live meaning I'm sure there will be some bloopers down the road. Um, we're calling this to the point, and that is a, a pun, obviously, because there will be some dry needling infusion or topic matter in almost every podcast. But we're also intentionally keeping these podcasts fairly brief. You know, this is episode one, so I'll take a minute to kind of introduce the concept. But otherwise, we have some brilliant guests, some panelists, some thought leaders, influencers that are going to be on. And it is my goal not just to stay out of their way, but to just provide a 15-minute time frame, 15-minute clinical discussions for you all out there. So whether you're watching live on Facebook or through our Zoom webinar, or you're watching this after the fact, welcome. This is the pilot episode of To The Point with Eye Dry Needle. Uh, I will be your host. My name is Paul Kaloran. I am a physical therapist. Um, I'm one of the founders and current president of Eye Dry Needle. I'm also a dry needling educator um, with previously Kineticor, which is now EIM. But really, we are going to have a diverse group of panelists, other educators, um, non-physical therapists, different specialties. So tune in. I hope we have something for you. So the idea of the show, 15-minute clinical conversations I will physically start my 15-minute timer when we get to the guest. I will do my best to stay out of their way um, and give them the full 15 minutes. And really, when we were trying to decide who should be on the pilot episode, um, we'll read all of the upcoming guests at the end of the show. There are some very impressive panelists coming up in the next month. But really, there was, it was an easy decision for us. Um, if you didn't know our story at Eye Dry Needle, we are clinician, we're physical therapist founded, we're PT run, and really that PT run is underlined or accentuated by one person behind the scenes. Um, I refer to her as kind of the director of everything for lack of a, a better title for everything she is involved with. Honestly, whether you have been uh, a customer emailing or calling one of our ambassadors or worked with us on the education side, um, then you know who I'm going to introduce. And it is our first guest to the point. She's right there on the other screen. Her name is Shannon Long. She's a physical therapist, doctor of physical therapy. Uh, and I'm going to try and give her little uh, resume justice before we get started and definitely fill in the gaps, Shannon. So she graduated with her um, bachelor in science in exercise physiology from Florida State in Tallahassee. She then shifted gears and went to University of Florida in Gainesville for her DPT. I assume that that's a conflict. I personally am a, a Big Ten uh, Wisconsin Badger fan, but I feel like the Gators and um, the Seminoles don't get together. But I know you're a Florida State fan. That's correct. Yes, it was. Uh, and unfortunately, I was at University of Florida during the era of Tim Tebow. So they were busy winning national championships while I was trying to cheer on my Seminoles. So I can imagine. I, I love <laughs> Tebow myself. 
From there, she did a year-long uh, orthopedic residency at Shands and University of Florida Ortho and Sports um, Institute. She is an APTA clinical instructor. On the dry needling side, she actually has continuing ed in lots of stuff, pain science with Lorimer Mosley, other um, continuing ed in the neuromatrix and just patient experience. But since we're kind of infusing this dry needling subject matter, she was first trained through IAMT, the Institute of Advanced Manual Therapy. She then went through the coursework with Kineticore. Um, so she has substantial dry needling training. And really, uh, I'm sure Shannon will explain, I have not just the experience of working with her behind the scenes, the business side of iDryNeedle, but we also worked in a cash pay practice together here in Washington. So I can speak very personally and say that she definitely values that patient clinician relationship. I mean, I really think that's why the cash pay model, uh, it's probably what attracted you, but that's why you did so well in it. She takes this holistic approach to recovery, which includes needling, but includes everything else that that single patient needs. So without reading any more about your resume, Shannon, is there anything I missed? Uh, no, I think that 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 covered I, I did an orthopedic residency my first oh yeah no you mentioned that yeah I did otherwise nothing too exciting just you know keep on learning so I mean if it's difficult to put into words how um, valuable Shannon is to us and really having someone on the non-clinical on the business side that has the experience uh, and really the mindset that Shannon does uh, I really don't know how to advertise that more that um, our company is PT owned and PT run and Shannon's a big part of that. So Shannon, are you ready? I will, we have our, a list of questions for you. Um, we will get through as many as we can, but I am going to start our 15 minute discussion timer. And I want okay. to, Let's do I it. honestly don't know how it's going to work. Like if I should like cut people off mid sentence We'll see. Mm -hmm. Starting now. So first of all, I mean, I kind of gave your background, but um, a common question when you're a physical therapist is what's your why I became a PT story? Yeah, well, I don't want to waste too much time on this one if we're limiting it because it's kind of just the same story that a lot of PTs have. Um, I was active. Uh, played a lot of sports, liked helping people, uh, knew I didn't want to be stuck behind a desk, which is a little ironic at this point, but, um, you know, in every day. And so um, when I started learning about physical therapy and, uh, you know, observing in different clinics, I just kind of knew that's what I wanted to do. So. And actually, this is throwing a question in there. Uh, I know you have specialty personally, but also treating athletes in certain sports. What are those? Um, so, uh, I mean, my first year out, like I said, when I was at the University of Florida, we worked a lot with the football team. Um, so that was my first, you know, high level athletic exposure. Um, otherwise, um, I like working with cyclists and rowers because that is something that um, I am passionate about as a sport. So rowing. She wrote a great blog for us a couple years ago on how 
kind of using the assessment and the dry needling with throwers. But I'm not going to take up time. So how long were you practicing before you got your initial dry needling training? And what prompted that training? Yeah, so um, my initial training was in 2014. So I'd been practicing for five years, um, a little over five years. And um, what prompted it, I mean, the, um, the place I was employed at was really uh, big advocates and very strong on continuing education. So it was my first year with them and they had just pumped a ton of money into sending me to continuing education courses, which was great. Um, but they also had a bit of a curriculum that they wanted their therapist to go through. Um, and so dry needling was part of that curriculum. Um, and so the other therapists that I worked with there um, had been through uh, some training, both with IAMPS and Myopain. And so I saw them using it, um, you know, day in and day out, and sometimes uh, would just refer my patients to them for a treatment or to to be able to receive the dry needling treatment. Um, and I just knew, you know, I wanted to learn more about it and uh, have that as one of my tools. Excellent. Staying on the dry needling, the clinical side, uh, I know this is a tough question, but you've worked with different populations. You know, again, I've seen you in action and just the way you work is uh, pretty inspiring, just the relationships you develop. So where did you find the most clinical success with dry needling, whether it's a specific population, a diagnosis, or even uh, in a certain stage of care? Like what really did you see the most success with needling? Um, you know, I'm gonna have to say that, well, I don't know if this is where I saw the most success. Um, probably that, but I think that my favorite patient presentation to, um, offer dry needling to as a treatment option is, um, the patient who has unfortunately uh, seen many providers, tried many different treatments, and has not had any success, um, or maybe has had some, but not what they're looking for. Um, and usually, that patient is also fairly complex. Um, so, so yeah, I'll I'll leave it at that. A complex answer to a complex question. <laughs> um, we mentioned your. You have been full-time with eye dry needle for a couple years. So I'm sure that's kind of a pros con scenario for you. So just for people out there, and honestly, I'll even paint a picture. Uh, I experienced this myself. My first job out of PT school was just a high volume orthopedic clinic. Um, it didn't take more than 12 to 18 months for me to feel burned out, almost burned out to the point of if I had chosen the correct career path, so I, I paint that picture because some people, uh, even DPT educated with the student loans and everything, uh, are actually seeking non-clinical jobs that kind of use their expertise. So I'll just say, what do you see as, or what do you like about the non-clinical side, or what would you say are the pros and cons of being on the non-clinical side of our industry? Yeah, that's a good question. Um... I mean, I love 
treating and working with patients. So I would not be transparent if I didn't say that I missed um, the frequency with which I used to be able to do that. Um, however, I do feel like um, the burnout is real. Um, and if you're not fortunate enough to be able to work in a cash pay clinic like I did with you for a period of time, um, where you really have the, uh, you really have the ability to treat the way that you want to and the way that you think that the patient deserves, um, and on the, uh, time frame that you think the patient deserves, um, then seeking out um, non-clinical work is a great option, especially if, you know, I, I don't know if I just got really lucky, but um, being able to still be in, you know, the um, healthcare provider, you know, arena and be interacting with other healthcare providers on a regular basis. And now that we've started the education side of eye dry needle, um, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome not having, I mean, I sleep normal hours as much as I want on a regular basis. And I, you know, I just, I can take care of myself and have, um, the, uh, I think work-life balance is too overused, but, um, I can have, you know, the lifestyle that I value as far as activity and social and, um, health while still, um, you know, feeling like I'm making an impact ultimately with patients because we're helping providers help patients. Um, but then I think your question, I don't remember now, was actually um, maybe advice for people dealing with burnout, right? Yeah, I like that. What would you, what advice would you give? So, um, I think I would say go for it, you know, um, but if you're someone who does love the patient care and you're just feeling burnt out, you know that, you know, it's a good fit for you as far as what you're actually doing or what you want to be doing, um, but you're just feeling burnt out, that, you know, try to work something out where you can just have a little mobile PT practice or you know, um, thankfully, I'm able to continue treating um, just occasionally, whether it's friends, family, when I go out of town, um, you know, but um, I still have former patients that will call me up and ask if I can help them out, whether it's virtually right now or even virtually before. I mean, I would help friends out in Florida, um, you know, and obviously, I think most clinicians at this point have figured out that there's a lot you can offer without, you know, ever putting your hands on them. Um, so, so I would say go for it because it does offer a nice, you know, a nice um, change. Um, and if, if you can find something that is still in the arena of where you feel like you have a unique, um, you know, passion, then, you know, all the better. Um, I don't know if everyone will get so lucky as me, but um, yeah, I think it was a really healthy and really good uh, break and decision uh, to make that switch, but it was a tough one. Um, so. Yeah. 
I echo all of that. Like I said, I burned myself out pretty quick. And that was, I mean, it was the treatment model, but also I was pretty assertive with Con Ed on the weekends, just like not taking a break. So honestly, when I started teaching, that was kind of the breath of fresh air away from just the grind of documentation and patient ever patient. Um, but like you say, if I go a week without touching a patient, something in your little PT brain starts to go crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's a very honest answer. Um, next question. We're under five minutes. I think we're doing great. What do you see the main ad advantages of, I guess, without tooting our own horns, but um, step away from your eye dry needle roll. What do you see are the advantages of having like a clinician owned or managed company, even when just like responding to customers? Yeah. So the first, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is just like who as a customer, who would I want to be helping me um, navigate whatever the issue is um, or make decisions on which purchases, who, who would I want that person to be? Um, and I'd want it to be somebody who has experience in using the tools and techniques and knows, you know, can relate to me. Um, so, so, I mean, I think that's probably the obvious um, answer. I also think, I don't know, more and more, I don't know if it's my age or whatever, but I feel like I want to support like-minded people and businesses. And that seems to be um, more and more popular for people. And so knowing that where your money is going is not just, you know, some, I don't know, big corporation or, um, you know, someone just trying to make money, but people trying to make an impact. And so, you know, I dry needle is definitely trying to make an impact. So um, we might not be able to give, you know, as many discounts or as low prices as some other um, places might be, but knowing as a customer that, you know, that extra 50 cents or dollar or whatever it is, you know, is, is going towards people who are, um, in the same, you know, vein as far as what, what we're all trying to do here in the healthcare realm. I like it. Should we talk about like when someone has an issue with their STEM unit, that you're the first one that gets to field the questions? I mean, I mean, <laughs> There's yeah. expertise on the other side of that phone. Exactly. So, I mean, and it is nice, you know, um, customers will call and, you know, I think depending on what their question is, I think fairly quickly they can tell that I have some knowledge. I, I'm not even, I don't know if it's because I just said the word like upper traps or, you know, I, you know, how I was referring to something, but they're like, oh, are you a clinician? Are you a PT? You know, and, and then it's almost just like, you know, you feel like you're talking to someone who you can relate to and knows you know, knows what you're experiencing and can walk you through, like with the STEM units, um, some some issues there. Um, so, you know, I think I, I think there are a few companies where that's the case, where you you know pick up the phone, dial, write an email, whatever, and the person that is responding is you know someone trained in 
your specialty. That would be great marketing. Does your product company know what upper trap is or yeah. know what multifidus means? Yeah. You should make a t-shirt out of that. So we only have a minute left. We didn't get to all of our, I'm deciding between more serious or more sarcastic. So I'll give you time to finish, but I think um, you were introduced to needling fairly early on, like given the past decade um, of early adoption. And I think that as a company, we do our best to keep a pulse of the market. So just um, your thoughts, what do you think in the US the dry needling industry will be like five years from now, 10 years from now? Well, I am hopeful and I think it will be, I don't know if it will be five or 10, that um, PTs and chiropractors and other clinicians will all be able to offer um, dry needling as a treatment off, uh, option in all states. Um, so um, for anyone who doesn't know, we're in Washington state, so we cannot provide uh, dry needling here um, currently. Um, so I hope that that, you know, is resolved, uh, kind of like manipulations um, back, you know, in the whenever, before, before I was a PT. Um, so, so there's that. And then um, I, I, I think, it, you know, I think it's only going to continue to grow as far as research that can be done. Um, and our understanding of the treatment effects itself. I mean, I think um, there's no denying uh, the, the, um, the outcomes that are um, available, but understanding the why and how and all of that, I think still has a ways to go. Um, so um, yeah, I think, you know, it'll continue to grow. It'll hopefully be um, an option for all patients in all states. And um, I think our understanding of it will uh, become greater. I think that's our little timer went off. So that's the oh, that was that. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's the actual alarm going off. But that's a great segue. And I'll let Shannon jump in because she was actually uh, there pretty close to the eye dry needle birth story. But I think that's the perfect segue I kind of advertised this first episode, we'd tell our story. Um, and it's probably not as glamorous as people think. I mean, my colleague Austin Woods and I, we graduated from Regis PT school together. We set up a cash pay practice and had been functioning, you know, very successfully for three years. Um, we were in Washington in a state where the dry needling versus acupuncture friction was very high. Um, and one of the things that always comes up during that discussion is the even the term acupuncture needle versus dry needle. So there we were like full time clinicians. Um, like literally my schedule was Monday to Thursday four tens, then I'd get on a plane and teach as many dry needling weekend courses as they let me teach. Um, and that really became like, not just an expertise, I guess you could say, but something I was very passionate about. So when we founded Eye Dry Needle, honestly, we were only 
we were a single product company for the first two years. We brought on Myotech dry needles. We introduced it to the U.S. market. We started using it in the Kineticore courses. Um, and honestly, our impetus to founding iDry Needle and starting that business, which was really a bootstrapped business for a year or two, meaning we were still full-time practicing clinicians, still educating across the U.S. Um, the impetus wasn't just to sell as many needles as we could. Honestly, what Shannon mentioned was a big driver behind why we even started our company. iDry Needle, I mean, it's catchy. We think it's a nice name as far as the brand. Um, but it implies a lot. And one of the implications is the advocacy effort. Um, obviously, I'm very biased, and you know that <laughs> you were preaching to me as the choir, but I agree that dry needling needs to be a treatment option in every state across the US. And honestly, that's gonna be more than physical therapists or chiropractors. There will be other professions that see the value in dry needling. And if you want to go even bigger picture, we're comparing this holistic and relatively very safe technique to opioid prescription surgeries and really just an over pharmaceutical healthcare system. So that's why we started eye dry needle. Um, again, it's not as glamorous as you would think. Uh, my father, Mike Kaloran, who lives in Wisconsin, we were literally shipping products out of his basement for the first year and a half to two years. Uh, he brings with him, I guess, decades of school supply distribution. So he's always run our fulfillment from Wisconsin. Now we have an actual warehouse and shipping office. Um, but it's interesting because as a small business, you just uh, you feel the small business, I guess, pressure and the hustle constantly. But it's really been uh just sitting here today a blessing to look back and see that we started in 2014 um doing this after hours and on weekends whenever we had time now uh i'm full-time eye dry needle i'm still teaching seeing patients uh, when i can we have sh uh, a clinician like shannon who's joined us full-time it's just incredible to see where we've come in six years and honestly that's not a that's not a pat on the back to us or trying to toot our own horns. Uh, it's very directly successful because of the loyalty and uh, I guess the support from, like Shannon said, like-minded clinicians. I think why we were successful, not just because dry needling is kind of a buzzword and one of the innovative techniques in PT, but why we were successful was really we learned really quick that there were a lot of other clinicians like us, whether you're in the cash pay setting or not, whether you use dry needling heavily or not, just seeing the value of the technique uh, as far as a treatment option. And honestly, being in certain states where uh, you don't have that treatment option, um, maybe it's just a grass is greener thing, but it just makes you realize and appreciate how important it is to have that as an option. But that's kind of the eye dry needle story now. My dad is still involved. Shannon gets to work with him daily. And it is, uh, it's sometimes like a sitcom to watch the blending of the baby boomer and the millennial working in, uh, I guess, a remote product company business.
But like Shannon said, we have a lot of stuff coming. I'm not going to do any big shameless plugs now, but if you haven't seen in our social media, we have launched online education. We are calling it the Eye Dry Needle Clinical IQ Series. Um, this is, you know, affordable, convenient online at-home education for people who are already trained in dry needling. And really, as a company, aside from the advocacy side, um, we saw dry needling as just that pushing the profession forward tip of the spear invasive procedure modality 10 years ago uh, when we were first trained and we're continuing to push that. Honestly, there are some excellent educators out there. I mean, I'm not gonna name all of them, but EIM, Myopain, Structure and Function, IAMT, Dr. Dunning's group, like we have excellent educators out there. But I think what you, what we all appreciate is that the level one and level two training is basic dry needling education. Like when you first learn dry needling, the emphasis is on safety. How do I do it safely? And how do I apply it at the basic level in the clinic? But I think when we're talking about pushing the profession forward or even pushing dry needling forward, um, we can be more tactical than that. And really that's our goal with eye dry needle education is to keep pushing the application of dry needling forward, different patient populations, but being more tactical, more specific, and more innovative with our needle. So I'm trying, uh, I didn't put a timer on myself, you noticed, so 20 minutes later. Shannon, anything to add? I know you're passionate about it as well, but, and I appreciate your time today. No, yeah, I think you covered it, did a good job. So yeah, we wanted Shannon to be the number one guest. Uh, she will likely be involved with other episodes moving forward. Um, but honestly, we are very excited. I mean, we this is episode one. We just launched this video podcast. And the lineup of influencers and educators and researchers we have, even in this first month, is incredible. Next week, so we're going to be live every Wednesday. Um, and I know... 10 a.m. Pacific isn't uh, ideal for everybody to see it live. That's fine. We'll post the recorded uh, versions. You can always register and you'll get notified of the recording later. Next week, we have physical therapist and cycling. Castangue. And really, again, we're going to have a 15 minute discussion. Our questions will be how he implements or utilizes dry needling with his bike fitting and with his cyclists. So definitely tune in for that. And he would be the first one to tell you that uh, his assessment, his treatment, his corrective exercise is not limited to the bike. Everything is biomechanics and it's uh, central nervous system, it's everything. Uh, the following week after Aaron, we have chiropractic physician, Nick Nowicki. Uh, he also does a lot. He is an Ironman himself, and he works with triathletes. But again, our 15-minute discussion on the 14th will focus on he was the PTA Tour care provider for last weekend's PGA Tour event in Punta Cana. So if you haven't seen, the PGA has this massive semi-trailer that is like a healthcare clinic on wheels that goes from tournament to tournament. And there, there are full-time physical therapists. Maybe we can get one of them on at some point. Otherwise, they contract out local help 
um, for the PGA athletes. So we'll kind of focus on how he uses needling during, before, and after a PGA Tour event. Wednesday after that, the 21st, we have Dr. Andrew Ball. Uh, he's myopain faculty. He's, uh, he's a researcher. He's released a lot of research on dry needling. And our focus of our 15-minute discussion with um, Dr. Ball will be dry needling safety and the research that he's conducted. Week after that, we have Structure and Function founder, really one of the pioneers and innovators of dry needling in the U.S., specifically kind of um, athletic training, but also physical therapy. We'll talk to our guest, Sue Falcone. She's the author of Bridging the Gap. And honestly, um, some of these names are intimidating. I have no idea how I'm going to get... Um, a focused 15 minute conversation when from someone like uh, Andrew and Sue, uh, we're going to have to have a very specific topic and I'm going to have to stay on that topic without asking everything else that I'd like to pick uh, her brain. Hopefully we can have her back. And then after that, on November 4th, we have Institute of Clinical Excellence founder, South College uh, DPT faculty, and really just at this point, like world renowned PT influencer, Dr. Jeff Moore. And honestly, we don't need 15 minutes. You spend two minutes with Jeff uh, and you'll be inspired. He's one of those guys where you can feel the energy through the screen. Uh, you can hear it in his voice, but two minutes with Jeff and he just stirs up something inside you that just makes you want to push harder, do better, and just take the clinical care to the next level. So honestly, I don't know if it's possible to blow your minds with 15 minutes of clinical content, um, but that's our goal. So stay tuned. We will post a link for each of those uh, episodes the week before. Again, they're all available after the fact recorded. This is episode one, so right now it's just uh, on our social media and Podia is the educational platform we use. Uh, we will look into how we can get this posted on iTunes and other podcast channels. But that's pretty exciting stuff. So I'd like to wrap things up. First of all, thank you, Shannon, for your time, for being a part of our company and um, being part of who we are. Uh, I look forward to you being behind the scenes and in front of the screen uh, everywhere we're going with big picture eye dry needle stuff. Any closing remarks? How personally do you take it when someone unsubscribes from our email campaigns? <laughs> <laughs> First, I took it very personally. Now, I Googled the definition of spam and I was like, okay, I guess if we're advertising a promotion, yeah. it could be considered spam. And I also remember that Gmail has that feature that prompts you. You haven't opened an email from the, this company in the past month. Do you want to unsubscribe? So maybe they just are saying yes. So, you know, now it's okay. But at first I was like, <gasps> What did we do? Why don't they like us? I know. Me too. And I like to think that, yeah, we, we make it as valuable as we can with research and all that, but we are promoting our products. We are selling a product. Um, 
and we appreciate all the support. And we, at this point, are not hurt by unsubscribes. We understand. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thanks again, Shannon. I'm going to shut it down. Join us next week, same time, whether it's live or after the fact. Again, next week is the 7th, and we have physical therapist Aaron Castangue. We'll talk bike fit and dry needling. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Bye.